Just go ahead and grab a chair and listen now. As we riff the show, Tanner and Christine are gonna figure out why we love this show. Better grab your golden stars and slushies, cause you're listening. You're listening to Loser Like Me. Loser Like Me. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Loser Like Me, your local Glee recap and reaction podcast. My name is Christina. I'm Tanner, and I don't know how we're local. I don't know. We're local through the internet. Everything's local on the internet. Unless you're, sh- unless, unless you're like, ordering things, in which case it's never local. If you, know in, if you live in those middle-of-nowhere prairie provinces and or states, we're local. Yep. We're just there. Liz, me and Christina may not live in the same country, but we live in the same biome. Yes, we do. <laughs> so, we are... Today we get to talk about uh, the episode uh, called Throwdown. It is the seventh episode in the first season of Glee. And I didn't remember what it was called when I was taking my notes, even though I was watching this on Netflix on my computer. And so I kept seeing the title every th- every time I moused over the screen. <laughs> so I have it written down here as alternatively touchdown, takedown, and then finally landed on the actual title throwdown. <laughs> it's Smackdown. Yes. Welcome to WWE, our G-L-E-E Smackdown. WWE Glee. It's an episode of Glee where we pay tribute to all songs that were listed by wrestlers. Oh god, we do that and at some point Vigil, Vigil or Jake will just like apparate into the podcast. Or, oh no, they're <laughs> ugly episode paying tribute to all the entrance songs, the famous entrance songs of wrestlers. Oh my god. Oh, that would be, that would be something else. Artie like slams through a wall in his wheelchair and Finn comes after him. But it'd have to be on a kazoo. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. This was an episode that was directed by Brian Murphy and written by Brad Fadchuk, so I guess it's two great tastes that taste great together, or at least it will be. We'll find out. Maybe, in theory. Um, The last episode that Brad wrote was Preggers, which was the one where people were being creeps and uh, Kurt came out to his dad, right? Was that his dad? Yeah. Okay, yeah. So that's kind of an idea of what, like, what kind of tone this episode could take. Potentially, yes. If we're starting, I would like to start with a previously on segment. Yeah, um, oh, I actually, I learned a couple days ago that the previously ons are done by Ian Brennan, who was one of the writers on the show. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't know that was him. Okay, I thought I, I was sure I had told you that at some point. You probably told me, but I didn't remember. Okay. <laughs> until I saw it on TV Tropes. Okay. <laughs> Um, but yeah, the previous on segment for this episode, it doesn't elaborate on how Sue became the co-coach of the Glee Club, only that she did. Like, mm-hmm. it, I don't think it mentions the drug plot or anything. Yikes. So, really, it's just, it has a clip of Sue pushing the old school nurse down the stairs, and now Sue's the captain of the Glee Club. Yeah. <laughs> Do crimes, you'll get rewarded. The American system. That was almost literally the lesson of last episode. Yep. Anyway, anyway, we get to start this episode in media. Re- oh, wait, no. Do we want to say like what day it aired? 
It was like October 14th or something, right? Listen, these are still in 2009, and that, that pop culture wasn't moving so quickly that the exact date mattered. As long as you were in the right gear, that was ballpark enough. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So we get to start this episode um, in media res with Will and Sue yelling at each other in slow-mo. And like all of the Glee Club kids are there and Rachel and Finn and Quinn are on stage and everyone else is sitting in the seats. But then we get to have something that is a really weird departure from the rest of Glee so far, which is that uh, Will does voiceover narrating like, like, I bet you wonder how I got into this situation. I mean, the voiceovers become much more common in Glee as they go on. Mm-hmm. But this still might be the most interesting one, because as Will mourns how bad he looks in front of his students and how much of a terrible example yeah. he and Sue are setting... While, while he mourns, white boy funk music is playing in the background. Oh, this is true. Yes. Because <laughs> I think that's just always playing in the back of his mind. Probably. But then... But then Sue barges in, and dramatic classical music starts playing in the back of her mind. It's O Fortuna. Yeah. We were in two different keys, it's fine. No, that's still the face. Yeah, that's John Williams. The vibes are the same. Um, And she talks about how majestic she looks when she's fighting with Will. And then Will tells her to stop, and then they realize they're fighting in their voiceovers. Yeah, stop! You're in my voiceover! (laughs) It's like, how did we come to this situation? And then we get to have, we get to flash back to the actual beginning of the episode. Which is, uh, which is where Figgins has, like, a check-in meeting with Will and Sue to see how they're doing. And they're like, it's great! Everything's fine! We're, We're just best friends now! It's wonderful! Yeah... And he's like, I want to make sure that you're not trying to, like, win the kids to one side or the other. And that it immediately cuts to Will doing the cool kid sit to try and... I, ke- I kept, like, phrasing things in terms of, like, a set of parents going through a divorce. And it's like, Will's over there, like, trying to persuade the kids that he'll take them to Disneyland if they all side with him against Sue. <laughs> a little bit. Will's like, what do you guys want to do in Glee Club? And Mercedes says she wants to sing more black music. And Rachel's like, no, I need to be racist and say this is Glee Club and not Crunk Club. Yeah, yeah, yikes. Rachel, you have a black dad, and I know that doesn't necessarily mean much, but still. Yeah. Check yourself. Yup. Um, and then Mike can pop and lock. He discovered a new skill after doing drugs last week, so... Yeah. <laughs> that's important. Yeah, he took some skooma and then his charisma leveled up or whatever. <laughs> And then it cuts back to Figgins. He's saying, I want to make sure you're not pitting the kids against each other. And then Sue says, I am going to pit the kids against each other. She gets her, like, report from her Trojan cheerleaders, and Quinn tells her that the minority students feel like they're not being heard, which has just been demonstrated. Yes. Uh, And then finally, Figgins says that Sue and Will must hug. Yes. And I say, and I and I say here, that's sexual harassment. (laughs) No, he learned it at a leadership seminar. So that means it can't be sexual harassment, of course. Exactly. This is how things work. So they hug, and Will whispers that he's going to destroy Sue, and then Sue whispers that she's going to vomit down his back. Yeah. it's not. And then they they grudgingly release, and then Figgins is appeased. Yes, this pleases Figgins. Yeah, he's not the final Pam. <laughs> 
Final Pam uh, may have been a more effective principal as time went on. Uh, yes. Thankfully, we get to leave this scene with, and we get to go instead to Finn and Quinn uh, going to their first sonogram appointment. Yay. And they can tell, um, it's, it's tech, like, biologically, it's too early to tell, but, um, but Flat Baby is going to be assigned female at birth. (laughs) (laughs) For narrative purposes. Yes. This is a girl. Yes. And, and then it turns out that, hey, Will brought them to this appointment that looks like it was at, well, it looks like this appointment's taking place at eight o'clock at night. Yeah. Judging by just how the how the waiting room is lit. I mean, she's a pregnant teen. They probably had to, like, spirit her out of the house. Mm-hmm. Slide down the laundry chute in order to get away from your parents so we can do a sonogram. Oh, God. Will, Will and Finn get to have a conversation. Finn tells him that the baby's looking good. No mutations, not even any cool ones. Yeah. Oh, uh, God. For a flat baby to be born with laser eyes. <laughs> Also, Finn asks, how am I supposed to take care of a person? My mom won't even let me have fish. Yeah. And he also wishes that, like, he had a say in, like, anything that was going on with Flat Baby. Like, I wish that we could, I wish that we could raise Flat Baby, but Quinn has already decided to uh, give Flat Baby up for adoption. So. (laughs) Well, he's, I really like that immediately Finn says that it's Quinn's choice. Yeah. As to what happens with the baby. Which is really nice. And he's also, but he's still like, the reason he's thinking ahead and trying to plan ahead is because what if she changes her mind and she does keep the baby? I need to support her. And even a little bit of, I still have to support her through the pregnancy because she's not getting any money from the mysterious adopting party that I do not know. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And it's like, you could have an open adoption, except not in this case, because there's a crime happening. (laughs) Yeah, an open adoption wouldn't let uh, wouldn't let there be any drama on this show about teens in high school. So, this show would have been way more interesting if Terry came clean immediately, and then Will was like, "Hey, Finn, I'll adopt your baby." That's true. Uh, put that on the list of things for the "Not If I Reboot You First episode where we reboot the first season of Glee. Oh yes, noted. So anyway, the one of the worst people is here. Jacob Ben Israel is back. Jacob Ben Israel is here to run a blog specifically about her sexually harassing Rachel. Well, he does that because he does some quid pro quo harassment again, and he says, "Rachel, if you don't give me, if you don't, if you don't do something to appease me, then I'm going to share to everyone that Quinn is pregnant." And then she denies that it's true, but is implied to give into the threat. It's not great. And my note here is just. Who told him? My guess is that he overheard it from Brittany, who mentioned it accidentally. He hides in the rafters of the OBGYN office. That's also entirely possible. Yeah, you know, you know that uh, X Files episode about the guy who could fit into really tight spaces and ate people's livers. Actually, I don't. <laughs> That's Jacob. Yikes! Let's get to more fun things. Yes, Minorities. Let's, let's get to something else that's more fun. So. They they decide to split their teams up, or they decide to split the kids up and do a another fun competition song. Well, they don't decide. Sue barges in and declares that she is taking a selection from the Glee Club to form an elite Glee Club, separate from the rest, called Sue's Kids. 
Yes. And of course she does this by citing I, what I think is the same show choir book from whatever episode it was where she told Will that he had to have 12 people, which means that it's still probably outdated. Yeah. But basically she says that, yes, the club has to have 12 members and they all have to perform, but they do not all have to be performing every single number. Mm-hmm. You can have like five in one, seven in another, and then 12 for the last one. Which is something yeah. that does end up happening a few times. Yeah, you can have ensembles within the Glee Club. Anyways, the picks for Sue Kids are Santana, Wheels, Artie, Gay Kid, Kurt, Asian, Either Tina or Mike, Other Asian, Either Mike or Tina, Aretha, Mercedes, and Shaft. Matt. This is great and fine. Nothing wrong will happen from this. Absolutely nothing. And just in case, we have to go to another scene of bad decisions being made. Um, so Terry's sister Kendra is an anti-vaxxer. Uh, uh, Are we shocked, uh, though? Are we shocked, though? No. <laughs> no. But actually, to be fair, she says, don't vaccinate in the hospital. She's not saying don't vax at all. She's saying just don't get them from the hospital. Get get my own homegrown vaccinations. I've got some essential oils for you. Oh my god. Okay, like here's a little bit of terrifying news. One of someone one of my friends from college posted a couple it was like last week about like, hey, I finally got my my extremely large cardboard box of essential oils and I was like, Oh god, they got you. Um, amongst some of my coworkers, the ones who have decided to be extremely cavalier about current events, a lot of them are saying that they're not worried about getting COVID because they've been taking their oil of oregano. <sighs> Here's a PSA. Please, everyone, for the love of God, get your vaccines, get your flu shot. Essential oils are not a solution to anything except for bad odors. <laughs> well, okay. Th- there are some essential oils that can help with stuff. Stuff like, um, headaches and some help you sleep. Some can actually get rid of nausea. There are some that can affect your mood, but not to the degree of actual pharmaceuticals. Not against illnesses. Yes, they're not going to cure the cold. That's what vaccines are for. Please vaccinate yourself and those around you. Hello, and welcome to the ASMR edition of Sawbones. Oh my god, no. Oh god, no. Somewhere somewhere Sydney McElroy, Dr. Sydney McElroy just shot out of her skin. I'm I'm going to slowly pop some Advil out of their containers. (laughs) Here, I'll gently shake my pill bottle of acetaminophen. (laughs) society so terry says she's gonna use the money that she saves on not vaccinating her kid and she's gonna buy an organic crib i don't know what that means is it just grown from the ground it's made from like a fern gully it's made from organic hundred percent cotton that was definitely still harvested in an inhumane manner (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no machines revolved only lightly paid employees <laughs> oh god we need to get out of this you, you know this I bet Terry bit. I bet Terry wanted a plantation wedding <laughs> and the only 
reason she couldn't is because there were no plantations in Ohio. And somehow that's Will's fault. Yep, things that are not Will's fault. Well, things that are Will's fault. He feels like he's being, uh, he feels like he's less of a man because of Sue Sylvester taking over Glee Club. And that's also compounded by Terry not really including him in anything involving the pregnancy. So he says, I, I want to come to an OBGYN appointment, goddammit. Yeah. And then she's like, uh, cut to commercial. When we come back at Sue's Corner Corner. Oh, no, wait, hold on. Oh, wait, does it come back to a Sue's Corner Corner? Does it, it come does. back to Rachel, See, it, Rachel talking to Finn? It's, oh, gosh, did Rachel talk to Finn? Listen, there, yeah, was, yeah, there was so it, much happening in this episode. I'm sure I missed some scenes. Yeah, so I'll keep it quick. Rachel tells Finn that she's protecting him and Quinn from the pregnancy news leaking out. Finn promises to make it up to her. This pleases Rachel. Jacob storms up wanting Rachel's panties. And specifically, he wants an actual pair of panties and not the ones from the store because she went out and bought a pair of underwear at Aerie or whatever and then gave them to him with tags still on. Yeah, like, come on, Rachel, you're smarter than this. Yeah. Well, to be fair, though, he wasn't dumb enough to realize that they still had the tag on them until at least one day after this happened, so. That's true. It's because he hasn't eaten a liver in recently. <laughs> oh, he's terrible. Anyway, let's let's go to more terror. <laughs> We do get a brief Sue's Corner Corner. It's something about how much she loves minorities and because she's 1 16th Comanche. Yes, actually, my note here is, like any white woman, Sue is desperate to claim any fractional shred of diversity. <laughs> Have you ever seen that one clip from American Dragon Jake Long? No. It's, okay, so I have never seen much of anything from American Dragon, but as far as I know, the main character, his mom is uh, Chinese and mm -hmm. his dad is a white guy. Yeah. And it's his dad at, like, a Chinese New Year parade, and the mom's like, Paul, you're not Chinese. And he's like, actually, on the contrary, my dear, you see, I'm 116th Comanche Indian, and as we all know, all First Nations people of America came to America over the land bridge, <laughs> and they migrated there from the Asian countries. Therefore, that means I can trace my ancestry back to China! And oh then he, like, holds God. up the dragon puppet as a breeze fire. Uh, he at least he's got the spirit. Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> Sue loves minorities. Yeah, she loves minorities so much that she encourages them to sing the song Hate on Me. After she, after, to be fair, she specifically suggests things that they could do and, and ways to shine during singing the song. And she does refer to them by their actual correct given names. Yes. <laughs> or by their actual correct names <laughs> and i have a note here that she could be a genuinely good teacher if she wasn't so vindictive and hellbent on chaos and supremacy i several months ago i was on a podcast uh where i talked about the glee characters and what hogwarts houses they'd go into uh on sorted hashtag non-spawn mm -hmm. and on that cast i sorted sue into hufflepuff yeah because she cares about you doing your best, and she cares about doing what's best for you. And the problem is that she has already decided what's best for you, and she will not take any other suggestions. That, yep, that, that sounds pretty accurate. So she has already decided that she is going to save the minority children. From Will Schuster and his tyranny. Now, and while they do need to be saved, 
Yes. Not like this. No, never like this. So despite the kids' concern that they're stuck with Sue, they eventually warm up to it because she gives Mercedes the solo for Hate On Me by Jill Scott. Mm -hmm. It's a really good song, sung really good by Mercedes. Yeah. They, when she gives them the sheet music, they learn the music instantly like their characters in Skyrim. <laughs> like, she hands them the music, and you see, like, this, like, you see, like, the autosave in the corner, and then it's, Mercedes has learned. Hate on me. Kurt has learned. Hate on me. Mike has learned. Hate on me. <laughs> Kurt has learned. Aggressive kicking. Yes. He, <laughs> so... We, we should talk about, like, the dancing in this thing. Because everyone, it is an extremely chaotic, in a choreographing sense. Because, like, Dijon Talton, who plays Matt, and Harry Shum Jr., who plays Mike, are both having a good time, but they're doing, like, dance solos around each other. Yeah. And they're doing this as the rest of the group, like, assemble chairs in a line so that Mercedes can walk down them as she belts. Mm -hmm. And then Kurt practices his flutter kicks for swim practice. (laughs) Yeah, he he jumps into one of the chairs and, like, lays backwards so his legs are over the back of the chair and does really aggressive flutter kicks as... I just tried to do it in my webcam. It didn't. It didn't go very well. But I didn't. I was worried you'd fall out of your chair. No, 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 I'm fine. (laughs) Yeah, he does flutter kicks as he like looks at Sue with a big grin. Yes, Chris Cole for signature toothless grin. (laughs) I I love him. He does not show any teeth when he smiles, which is perfectly fine. It's just it makes him look like a muppet sometimes. Remember that. Yeah, remember that. <laughs> Will, Will watches this happen through the security window in the door and he looks very upset. He confronts Sue and he's like, are you trying to pit the club against me? And Sue says, yes, I'm going to destroy it because I hate you and I hate your hair. I can only imagine birds laying eggs there. Yes. I hate you so much that I burned all of the sheet music that you had available. And... As as this happens, like, they're walking down a set of stairs, and eventually, like, like Sue stops when she's on a landing, and Will is, like, higher on her, and I expected him to, like, try and do a people's elbow on Sue from his higher position on the stairs. <laughs> Can you smell what the Glee Club is cooking? Uh, well, at least it's not methamphetamines. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That was last week. Yeah. So, through all of this loud argument that they're having no one stops to look at these two teachers that are fighting (laughs) in a real high school everything would have stopped so that they could have seen sue sylvester destroy another member of the faculty which leads me to assume that it happens so often that most students know not to acknowledge it yeah i mean heck this might even be the same set of stairs where last week (laughs) sue put someone into a coma (laughs) No, those are indoor stairs. These are outdoor stairs. Oh, okay. Oh, still. Stairs at McKinley are cursed. McKinley has a really elaborate campus. I think they have some, like, semi-outdoor hallways with lockers. It's because it's in California. I I think you were too quiet for that whisper. It's because it's in California. (laughs) It's because it's in fake Ohio. They didn't even, like, have the decency to go film in, like, a small Canadian town. Yeah, they never have to deal with winter in Lima, Ohio. Nope, never. There's no mountains around. You don't get to have Chinooks. Nope. 
we get to then cut to a scene of Will actually fulfilling some educational responsibilities and grading Spanish classes. Or grading Spanish quizzes for his Spanish classes. <laughs> and I like to note here that when, like, Terry comes in to join him because he's sitting on the couch. And when she sits down, you can see the corners of her pregnancy pad through her shirt. <laughs> oh, Lord. Actually, interestingly, this is not the least poorly disguised pregnancy pad I've ever seen. That honor is and will forever be held by the movie F6 Twister, a.k.a. Christmas Twister, where it's literally like a, it is a square shape that is supposed to be a nine-month baby under this woman's shirt. Oh, wild. It is, oh God, it is like, it is seriously like my fifth or sixth favorite movie of all time. Oh, boy. It is great. Glee cannot aspire to be as bad with, as bad of a job with pregnancy pads as F6 Twister. So I think we found our Christmas special then. But there's no there's no Glee people in it. We'll find a way. Okay, you're not gonna. I'm not gonna say no. <laughs> um, in this scene, basically, basically, it just amounts to Terry telling Will that if he's feeling emasculated by Sue existing, then he needs to fight dirty. Yeah, play dirty just like she does. So we cut to the next day. Sue is being interviewed for Cheerleading Monthly as she walks onto the green. And she lets them know that I'm all about empowerment. I empower my Cheerios to live in a state of constant fear by creating an environment of irrational terror. Mm-hmm. Speaking of which, where the fuck are my girls? Mm-hmm. And then it turns out that, hey, only the unholy trinity is there because every single other Cheerio got failed by Will because their Spanish tests were so terrible. Yeah, he went back into, like, the school records, and as far as he can tell, most of them are functionally illiterate. Yeah, and of course we find this out as Sue and Will and Figgins are yelling it out in Figgins' office. And Sue Sue says again, like, I empower my Cheerios to be champions, which I have written as, I empower my Cheerios to be champions. <laughs> and she flat out says, champions don't speak Spanish. And I want, I want, like, I want the spirit of Frida Kahlo to, like, emerge and just, like, slap Sue across the face. <laughs> She says that Will has a psychosexual devotion to the dying language of Spanish. Oh my god, I didn't write I did not remember that. So um also Will points out that last Friday at the football game they tried to spell out go team and it said <laughs> to game. <laughs> Let's be real here. We know Brittany was probably in that in that group then. No, if Brittany was in charge of spelling one of the words would have been meat. Yeah, that's true. Figgins declares that he's not going to give Sue any more slack. And then as Will leaves, he, like, pokes her in the side because they're children. <laughs> and then she's like, don't touch me. Then Sue, then Sue's like, hey, Figgins, remember when I blackmailed you? And Figgins is like, well, joke's on you. I blackmailed myself and the video only got two hits. Mm -hmm. Nobody cares. And then Sue, Sue goes thermonuclear. <laughs> It's time for our first Sue tantrum. Yes. She throws stuff around in the reception's office, and she does shove a student out of the way. Mm -hmm. All figures like, no, Sue, not the children! Yes. Fun, fun fact. Apparently most of that scene was improvised, according to like the Behind the Glee video that was done for this episode. Oh god, I hope that a student extra knew that they were about to be shoved. Probably. They were probably aware of it. They were like, hey, just go with it. Oh, okay. Because otherwise she, that might be assault. That that student extra was just kind of like, they were moved out of the way. They weren't, they didn't actually like fall to the floor. Okay. 
Yo, there are very specific rules for how you're allowed to interact with the extras. Yeah, I believe it. Because, like, if if you look at someone too long, then all of a sudden they're not an extra. They're, like, a featured actor, and they have to get a pay raise. Good. And a SAG card. Good. So, anyway, like, as this is happening, my last note here is, Sure do love these educators. What a good job they do protecting and encouraging their students. I've never encouraged a student in my life, and I don't intend to start now. Yeah. So let's cleanse our palace with an extremely pure scene. Is there is there any part of this that we can put in Christina's Spanish corner, or is it just simply the existence of Spanish? No, it's the existence of Spanish class. Okay, so during Spanish class existing, Finn carefully leans back and passes Quinn a note, and she's like, what's going on? And he's like, well... I wanted to think of a really cool name for our kid. And our director's good friend Gwyneth Paltrow once named her baby Apple. Mm-hmm. So I had to think of a name that was as cool as that. And Quinn unfolds the note. <laughs> to reveal that Finn wants to call flat baby Drizzle. Drizzle! It's very pure. You know, like when it's not raining a lot, but it's just raining a little bit, so it's still nice out and it smells like rain? It's so pure. And let's be real here. If this was, if this was happening now, Drizzle would be a viable baby name, as would Petricor. Yeah. Oh, Petricor especially, because then you could just shorten it to Pete if you had to. That's true. And Drizzle you can shorten to... Drizzt. Or Lee. What up? My name's Drizzt Dorton Hudson. Oh my god. I'm oh. a bard. Oh my god. I'm gonna have to think about that after we get off this episode. <laughs> but yeah. Qu- Quinn says, like, no, we are not naming our baby Drizzle. And Brittany, you can't steal my Spanish test. I just don't Br- understand. Br- Brittany doesn't understand. Well, and that's not Quinn's problem. Yeah. And Quinn is feeling the pressure, especially in regards to her parents, and she's also trying really hard not to get attached to Flat Baby. Yeah. Do we want to keep calling Flat Baby Flat Baby, or do we want to call them Drizzle? I feel like we're going to alternate between Flat Baby Drizzle, and I'm probably going to be throwing in Drizzed a few times. Sounds good. But yeah, so by now they've moved out to their lockers, and Finn points out, like, hey, I'm also here. Well, and he also says that, like, Rachel is doing her best to make sure that no one finds out about the pregnancy from uh, the coward known as Jacob. Mm -hmm. And Quinn's like, she's not protecting us. She's just literally just protecting you. Yeah. And and Finn is like, question mark? He like, you can tell he's like mentally doing like the dog tilt like, (laughs) and basically Quinn says that she knows he's probably going to cheat on her when she starts putting on weight. Just don't do it with Rachel. (sighs) Anyway. Here is um, what, spoiler alert, will almost certainly be one of my top somethings for this episode. Because then we get to have another really pure scene. It's it's so pure, it transcends into the meta-purity. Yes, because the Glee Club sings Ride With Me. Yeah, by Nelly. Yeah, by Nelly. Okay, Um, listen, I was so pleased to find out that the song was by Nelly, because until we did this episode, I thought this was a song by R. Kelly. Oh, thank God. And I was like, oh no, it's going to put a pox on this entire scene. But no, no. it's Nelly. As far yeah. as I know, Nelly's a, even if Nelly has issues, he's way better than R. Kelly. Yep. Fuck R. Kelly. <laughs> but yeah, in the scene, it's just, it's the Glee kids hanging out. They're playing, 
they'll sing ride with me together and it's in unison but there's no there's no lip syncing you can tell that it's like being recorded live like finn's getting to have some fun with the drums the kids are all like hey like i'm gonna like play with your hair we're doing like we're doing the fun high school musical theater thing where you like do the fun gestures and emote to your friends as you sing and it's like they're real kids and i love it and, and, they, and they miss their friends. Oh, and the thing is, this song was basically uh, inspired by all of the castmates hanging out with each other while yeah. they were filming. And to the point, like, yeah. they basically just had a jam session. And at some point, they're like, hang on, hang on. Just th- start no, over they- so we can put this in the episode. I, I like to envision that they were hanging out on the set and doing this. And then Ryan Murphy oozed out of whatever wall he had been hiding in. And he said, yes, do it again once the camera's rolling. This pleases Ryan. Yes, this pleases Ryan. But yeah, they 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 like they express that they miss it. They miss getting to hang out as a group together, and because then Sue's kids have to leave before Sue comes back. Kurt says that Sue threatened to shave his head if he ever hung out with any of them or spoke to them. And then there's a pause for laughter, and then he says that he cannot pull off that look. Mm-hmm. And the delivery of that line makes me feel like while they were doing the jam session, Ryan or Brad just like quickly wrote something on a sign and held it up and it basically just said, Chris, say a funny line and then pause for laughter. Yeah. It's entirely possible. But as Sue's kids leave, as like they're literally like walking out, Artie says like, bye white people. <laughs> and I might have to reintegrate that into my vocabulary. That's our new sign off phrase. No, I, I hope that... I hope that we have a slightly more diverse listenership than that. <laughs> only only white people stop listening. Everyone else, you're stuck here with us. Yeah. But yeah, then Will Will comes into the room and they tell him, Hey, we, we want our friends back, please. And he's like, No. We must defeat them in order to become friends. Yes. We are now working on Pokemon logic. Yeah. And then with through more video game logic, they auto-learn sheet music again, because he hands them the music for no air. I mean, okay, so four of them auto-learn it. The implication is that Rachel already knows it, because she knows all songs. Yes. Yes, knows all songs. It's her character trait. Yeah, they're singing um, Jordan Sparks featuring Chris Brown. Mm-hmm. The coward Chris Brown. The coward but hey, Chris Brown. But hey, listen, this song is good. It, it is a good song. Okay, did did Finn sound auto-tuned to you? Yes. Okay, cool. This is like, this has maybe the most scene changes of any musical number that we've seen so far. <laughs> Including one where Finn and Rachel are walking down the hall and there's yes. like wind blowing through their hair. Yes, they're, they're walking in a hallway toward, they walk like down the school hallway towards a wind machine and the other, like there's other extra students walking in the hallway and all their hair is being blown by the wind too. And it's like, they're, they're not parting for Finn and Rachel. They're like walking between the two of them and Finn and Rachel have to navigate around them. Yeah. I would really like to imagine that this was the two of them actually practicing and this wasn't an imagined spot. This happened for real. Oh god, that would be so cool. Because <laughs> the the rest of it, like, it cuts between, like, them practicing in the classroom and the wind hallway, and then they get to practice on the stage as Quinn tries to murder them with her laser eyes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> they, yeah, they finish up. Will's like, good job, everyone. And Quinn basically has a whole thing about how 
kind of shitty that Finn and Rachel get to be the stars of the show yet again, while she and Brittany and Puck are stuck in the background swaying like props. Mm-hmm. Turns out that she was practicing her dialogue with Sue Sylvester before this happened. Yeah. And then as she leaves, like, she comments to Brittany and Puck, I guess Mr. Shu doesn't really care about minorities after all. Yeah, and then Puck and Brittany join Sue's kids because it turns out, hey, Puck is Jewish and Brittany is Dutch? Yeah. (laughs) Or she is of Dutch descent? Listen, there's only two kinds of people I hate in the world. People who make judgments about others based on their heritage and the Dutch. Also, there's a joke in here somewhere about how even though Rachel is Jewish, she doesn't get to join Sue's kids, and it's probably because Leah Michelle herself is not Jewish, but it does fall apart when you learn that not only is Mark Salling, who plays Puck, not only is he also not Jewish, but he's actually, he was a Christian rock musician. And also, uh, Diana Agron is in fact Jewish. <laughs> <laughs> if not, if not by religious practice, then I think by, I think by heritage yeah i don't remember exactly but yeah it's it's not great whatever so remember the fact that puck is jewish because it will come back later oh you you don't have to try that hard to remember because i've i've watched ahead to the next episode yeah he will not let you forget of course but yeah so those two get poached into sue's kids as well Mm mm-hmm and then Will gets home, and he's frustrated, and then Terry hadn't been wearing her pregnancy pads, so she puts it on real quick. Or no, she doesn't even put it on, she shoves it under her shirt and holds it there while she has a conversation with Will. For the whole scene, she's just like, yeah, I'm just casually clutching the sides of the baby, it's fine. And Will says like, hey, like, whenever you get home from work first, next time can you start dinner? So that It's a little creepy. Yeah, it's... It's a little bit like, why, like, why aren't you doing this? And, like, I, I can see the logic in, like, hey, whoever gets home first starts dinner. But, the, but there's a difference between we're having this conversation as two adults on equal levels and Will barging in because he's no longer emasculated due to, like, destroying the Cheerios. He's inspired and confident, and he is asserting his dominance as a man, essentially. It's yes. concerning. And, uh, and I asserted my dominance so much that I made us an appointment with your with your obstetrician so that I can see the baby. I would like to see the baby. Yes. <laughs> uh, so anyway, I love the sound of Orf- of O Fortuna in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> Will and Sue have a confrontation. He demands that she give his kids back. Sue demands that he pass the Cheerios in Spanish, even though they apparently still have no knowledge of Spanish whatsoever. And Will has finally found a hill to die on. That's yes. The scene. That's the entire scene. That, that is the entire scene. That was another scene that I missed. Did you get the next one? I did the... get the next one. Okay, go for it. <laughs> so Terry and Kendra go to see Dr. Wu at his office. Well, it starts with him like talking about how he finds peace by trimming his bonsai tree. And then he turns around to see them and he's like, I don't know what I've done to deserve you to existing in my office. Yeah, he's not wrong. And then he's like, oh yeah, he says, I don't know what either of you are doing in my office because I know for a fact that neither of you are pregnant. And, and Kendra says, well, actually. <laughs> Here's the thing. I'm pretty sure you mess with my kids in the womb to make them dumb and ginger. 
<laughs> Dr. Wu was like, it's called recessive genes and bad parenting. And Kendra's like, mm, actually, I'm a scientist. Actually, nothing is ever my fault. <laughs> I talked to my friend whose uncle is a microbiologist, and he says that all of this will be done by the time that it's time to go on vacation. All of this to say is that uh, they they essentially blackmail Dr. Wu into, fi- into helping them out with their harebrained fake baby fiasco. Basically um, by saying that if they leave him a bad Yelp review, everyone else in Lima will go to the other Obgine because there's only two. Yeah. Which isn't great. Listen, we're- this is Ryan Murphy's world! We're just living in it, dog! No, I don't wanna. <laughs> You're stuck here. I know. In the next scene, Quinn is confronting Rachel about her feelings for Finn. Because they can be seen from a mile away. Yeah. She calls Rachel a lot of bad names. And Rachel Rachel is honest, like, you know what? Like I I will I I will back off. It doesn't mean that you're not being Sue's mole though. And also did you do, like you know that Sue will kick you off the Cheerios once Flat Baby becomes Bump Baby. <laughs> <laughs> it's like so I'm I'm torn about the scene because on the one hand, it does kind of cast a negative light on Quinn and Rachel's conversation from the previous episode, where Rachel's like, I just want to help you and be your friend, and Glee Club's going to protect you. Um, See, I, I, think, I think that is genuine. I think that this week's episode, this week's scene with Rachel and Quinn is, is like, hey, Quinn is now under much more stress than she was the last time that they talked. That's true. And I guess it is Rachel basically being honest and saying, yeah, everything I've done is to somehow make Quinn... Everything I've done is to somehow make Finn choose me if he leaves you. But also, I never said anything wrong, and you're gonna be screwed if you cut off both Glee Club and get kicked out of the Cheerios. I appreciated the Freudian slip you almost had there. Sorry. It's okay. Anyway, um, at this point, they are on the stairs again, and once again, Rachel has the high ground on this staircase. And she's, she suggests that Quinn practice more because she has a lot of things to express. And Quinn says, Oh, you have no idea. With a clenched teeth smile that could shred metal. <laughs> and speaking of things that shred, it's time for Quinn's first solo. Yes! It's You Keep Me Hanging On by the Supremes, and this is one of my all-time favorite Glee numbers. Yeah, it's, it's really, it's just a really good number. And actually, I think this one has maybe, this one has also three, three scene changes. During this number, we flip-flop between Quinn singing it as she practices with the Cheerios, and like, they have some very good, like, I hesitate to call it choreography when it's within a cheerleading, like, situation, but- It's musical stunts. Yeah, yeah, their, their musical stunts are very- they're they're like very together, very on top of it, which is great. And then, no, this has four more scene changes than no air did, um, because then Quinn like stares into Sue's office as Brittany and Santana, mostly Santana, plot with Sue, and then uh, it gets to cut to Quinn staring la- staring lasers at Rachel and Finn as they talk in class while also Brittany and Santana are sitting behind Quinn in the diegesis like singing and acting along with her <laughs> this slaps and the choreography is on point and then and then just the cherry on top is they finish the musical number in the cheerio rehearsal setting 
And Quinn looks around, and you can tell in her face that she's thinking, oh shit, I just had a musical number in my head. God damn it, I'm becoming like them. Yeah. I I would like to bring up two points before we leave this great musical number. All right. Um, one of which is that when Quinn is singing at Santana and Brittany and Sue, there's a poster in the background that says, Pep Rally in the Gym Friday after school, we've got spirit. Yes, we do. So, we've got set, spirit. Set How about you? Point. <laughs> and the other moment is that... Uh, I would like to I would like to point out that in Quinn's dream sequence when she's practicing on stage, um, she's practicing on stage with the Cheerios, but they're all in like sexy football pad outfits, and I'm like, excuse me, Quinn. <laughs> now that's a metaphor if I've ever seen one. Yes, <laughs> but yeah. So then we get to it, it cuts to commercial after Quinn realizes that she's le- standing alone, literally at the halfway mark. <laughs> so next scene is when the Wills trio are about to do their performance for Sue's kids. Yes, Glee Club, Glee Club version 1.1. Yeah. They get one, not even one bar, they get like two notes into it, and Sue immediately says, fuck this, we're leaving. I'd like to point out that they start their performance by Rachel saying like, hey, like, I know, I know that we're technically doing this for a competition, but I want you to know that I support all of you because you're my friends and I, and I hope that you perform well and we like you. Yeah. And also the all-female uh, jazz group is back from Cabaret and they're here to help. Yay. But yeah, Sue, Sue doesn't walk out and it's time for the babysitters to fight. Yeah. Sue says that the minority kids are living in squalor on food stamps, to which Mercedes says, uh, my dad's a dentist. Yeah. Which, oh my god, what, what if when the dentist thing happens, they went to Mercedes's dad and he was being played by Idris Elba or something? What if there was an arc in season two where Emma dated Mercedes's dad? Oh, that'd be something. <laughs> Anyway. And the girls are fighting. What's the tea? Um, Will tells Sue that she has no class, is a terrible teacher, and that the PhD that she got from online isn't valid. <laughs> and that she's going to be alone for all of her life. Yeah, so Sue's she, kids... te- she tells Will that he's a failed performer who can't, who can't make it in the real world. <laughs> she's not wrong. She's not wrong. But it's at this point where Finn yells at them that they're both being shitty teachers... And they don't want any part in this, and they're leaving. So sort out on your own. Um, Mercedes says, I may be a strong, proud black woman, but I'm much more than that. Well, we'll see. And then Rachel Rachel leads them all in a storm out. And the football players all help carry Artie's wheelchair up the stairs. With very serious expressions on their faces, which I loved. Yes, and Artie's making just, like, direct eye contact with them, with, like, Sue and Bill the entire time. (laughs) So anyways, after this, the next scene, I only have two notes written down. The first one, in all caps, FAKE ULTRASOUND! FUCK YEAH! (laughs) See, my here was theater of the mind fake sonogram. (laughs) (laughs) We're rolling 20s on deception again. Yeah. What was your other note? My other note comes at the end, so I'll let if you want to go through this scene. Yeah, so it's time for uh, fake baby's OB appointment, and Dr. Wu has put up a curtain to entirely hide Terry's bottom half from Will, 
and he says like like Terry is my wife. We've been married since high school. I I I I know what's going on down there generally. And but instead Dr. Wu like squirts the sonogram gel in like a thing and Terry pretends to feel cold and he like waves the sonogram reader like over her knee. He pretends to have misread the first sonogram and says, oh, hey, I'm sorry, your baby is at- you thought your baby was assigned male at birth, but actually they will be assigned female at birth. And Will sheds a single tear as he says, I don't care what she is, she's all ours. I'm just so happy. And then Terry looks him dead in the eyes and she says, no matter what happens, I want you to remember this moment, at this moment, that we love each other. Yep. Yep. Which almost made me feel a feeling about Terry. Yeah. Because if you weren't such a terrible person, I would actually sympathize with the fact that you're going to be losing your husband as soon as this all falls through because fuck, this is a harebrained scheme and we know it's going to fall through. Yep. So anyway. So after this, Sue brings Will into her office and she tells him that she's going to step down as co-coach. And she's, like, made an agreement with Figgins that basically clearing Will for teaching the kids on his own. Mm-hmm. And Will's like, why do I feel like I'm about to fall through a trap door? And Sue's like, because that's what I do. Anyways. Yes. And also, uh, I'd like to point out here that Sue does offer to, like, give Will advice. She says, like, I'd be more than happy to look over your set list before sectionals. And she compares it to being in the mafia. <laughs> Sue admits here that, like... She does generally try to be, like, an encourager of children, because whenever her Cheerios win, she wins. And then Will does admit that he has flaws, which is a monumental moment in his journey of emotional maturity. (laughs) He's figured one thing, exactly one thing out about himself. Yes. Anyways, Christina, it's time for the line. (sighs) Yup! You want to take this one or you want me to take it? Listen, it doesn't matter that Puck's Jewish or Santana's Latina or anything. Or that or that Finn can't tell his right from his left. Because <laughs> we're in your Glee Club, you're all minorities! That's not how it works! <laughs> Will on, has really a Tumblr blog! Will what? Will has a Tumblr blog, probably. Yes! Oh my god, it's terrible! It's beautiful! It's... Oh god. That's it, that's the show! Yup. And then, just because this scene wasn't already emotion, this scene wasn't already disjointed enough, Sue tells everyone, hey, Quinn's pregnant, and now the whole school will know. Yeah. Including me. Because, okay, listen. So the reason she knows is because she found Rachel's panties in Jacob's locker and then she forced him to publish the story after she found out why Rachel's panties were in the locker. And she made some really nasty comments about his gender identity. There's a bad transphobic joke and I don't want to go into the details about the bad transphobic joke, just that it's bad. Yep. And I'd like I, to take the opportunity here to mention that in this episode, even Jane Lynch was surprised at how far they made Sue go. Yeah. Which is saying something, especially considering Jane Lynch as she is now. Yeah. Hey, and hey, remember when I said that I was judging these first 13 episodes a little bit more lightly? Yeah. This is me judging them a little bit more lightly by saying that was a fucking terrible joke and I was uncomfortable and it goes on for so long! Yeah. 
So anyway, back in the Glee Club, um, Sue leaves after revealing that everyone is going to know that Finn and Quinn are expecting, and they both blue screen, and Quinn looks like she's actually going to be having an anxiety attack. And I'm like, someone help them. Like, we do cut to them out in the hallway later, and she's fucking bawling, and Finn is literally trying to hold her together and telling her that everything's gonna be okay. And I'm like, no, you need to hold me and tell me everything's gonna be okay, even if I already know what happens. Aw, Tanner. Is it also because Cory Monteith was taller than you? He's he's the only- (laughs) there are only so many options for the six-foot-tall person to have a boyfriend (laughs) taller than them. And I acknowledge the possibility that I could be the tall boyfriend, but it's not the same. No, it's not the same. But thankfully, we find- thankfully the episode has mercy on us and cuts to a musical number. It's Keep Holding On by Avril Lavigne. Because Quinn has just been eliminated from the Glee Project. Oh, that's what they do in the Glee Project? Yeah, okay, so- oh yeah, I guess you never watched the Glee Project. No. So when they did a reality show about getting a role on Glee, whenever someone was eliminated from the running- they would sing Keep Holding On, and then they'd dramatically walk off the stage as the spotlight stood on an empty microphone before it went out. Wow. Yeah. Anyway, Ryan Murphy said, I will remember this for later. (laughs) Um, Also, you gotta love how a number that should be about Quinn is still mostly about Rachel and Finn. Yeah. But I like to point out that, like, the way that this episode was shot, so, like, wait, who the fuck directed this one again? I think it's Brad? It's Brad. Okay, yeah. So, like, kudos to Brad, because the way that this musical number is shot, it, like, it really emphasizes the fact that, like, every member of the Glee Club is, like, individually making, like, supportive eye contact with Finn and Quinn. There's a lot of shots of, like, Quinn, like, Quinn trying not to cry as they all sing about how they support her. Yeah. There's a, I'd like to take a moment here to note that the boys have improved to the point where they're all able to do lifts. Yeah. Which is great. And also, the Glee Club has recruited several uh, several violinists from the school orchestra. <laughs> but also, then, like it it's it is a very touching number, and at the end, like they're all holding hands, like just to show that yes, we're here together. It's good. It's a good note to end the episode on. Yeah, we 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 end the episode on Quinn having an emotional moment as she like does the thing where like you look up to try to keep yourself from crying and ruining your makeup. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, and that's it. That is the episode. So, Tanner, I started this episode that means that you get to pick uh what is your what is your gold star song for this episode? My gold star song, as you may have gleaned from my earlier comment, is you keep me hanging on. Yeah. See, like here's the thing is that this episode has actually like a lot of good music. It has a lot of good music. Yeah. I think like if if I had to individually the rank the musical numbers that were in this song, I think I would put no air, no air at the bottom, and then maybe, and then hate on me, I think, and then keep me hanging on, and then keep hold, and then keep holding on. So first, it actually, was no, wait, on. no, 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 and then the first, and then like the top, my my, because my gold star song is "Ride with Me." Yeah, I had a feeling that was going to be in there. <laughs> yeah, because it's just it's so fun and they're good kids and it shows off the cast's chemistry with each other and you get to see like little fun character touches and it's it's great i also like to i did just realize that first quinn was hanging on but now she's holding on 
Hey. <laughs> okay, so that means then uh what was your do we want to talk about what was your slushy or what was your gold star? Um so here's the thing, my gold star, we we've talked about some like very broad things for our gold star stuff before. Yeah. About just like character interactions or like broad concepts in the episode or just like scenes or whatnot. My gold star this week is a very specific small background scene, and it is when Artie is being carried out by all the jocks and he's giving a death glare at Will and Sue. That's good. That's that just, is very good. Just one perfect moment encapsulating a lot of stuff going on. Yeah. I'm trying to decide what like what my favorite moment might be from this episode. Because right now I'm tied between either the the absolute the absolute rampage of Sue Sylvester throwing chairs after being told that she has to answer to her to, for her actions, <laughs> or the Glee Club being supportive of Quinn and Finn in this trying time. Could I offer you a musical number in this trying time? Yeah, I think I'm gonna go with. Um, I think I'm gonna go with them supporting Quinn and Finn, especially in uh, he in keep holding on. So, what's your worst? My what's worst. What what gets slushied? So I was almost gonna slushy Rachel being racist. Uh, and then when I got to the end of my notes, I realized that the transphobic joke came up at the end. So no, I'm slash, I'm trans, I'm slushying that scene. That's valid. Oh, hey, here's something I don't think we've addressed so far on the episode. Um, the ship name for Quinn and Finn, in fact, was Fwin. Yeah. F-U-I-N-N. And I almost typed that in our, in our spreadsheet. I think at some point people tried to make it Fabrudson or something like that. Or Oh, God, no. Or Habray? Hudbray? No. Mudbray. Hey! Durhorse. <laughs> yeah. Well, since, since you made that, since you pointed out uh, that the, ter- the terrible transphobia joke, I will go ahead and make then my worst, uh, the terrible racism joke. Yes! <laughs> Teamwork. Teamwork makes the dream work. And that's the end of the episode. Yeah. So, Loser Like Me is part of the Corner Podcast Network, and we can be heard on all your podcaster... Let me just try that all again. Yeah, sure. Go for it. Loser Like Me is a part of the Corner Podcast Network, and we can be heard on your podcasting platform of choice. And if we aren't there, let us know, and we'll work on getting in there. We can be found at LoserLikeMePod on Twitter and through LoserLikeMePod at gmail.com. And And that's that's what what you missed missed on Glee! Just go ahead and grab a chair and listen now As we riff the show, Tanner and Christine are gonna figure out Why we love the show, better grab your golden stars and slushies Cause you're listening you're listening to Loser Like Me. Loser Like Me. Loser Like Me. I was just like, hey, we should do a, and ne- like, we haven't even gotten to the part, like, on Kingdom Smarts, but then I was like, I actually haven't watched the next episode, so I don't remember what happens. We haven't gotten to the part where Ryan Murphy, <laughs> Ryan Murphy. <laughs> Ah, uh, the dream. We haven't even gotten to the part where Puck is Jewish. Uh...